Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. His presence right now, and, and if you maybe you aren't feeling it, and I'm not talking about it in your, your natural senses, but when God begins to show up, he's given us a promise that he inhabits the praises of his people. And, and, and sometimes we spend too much time complaining about our situations instead of giving God praise during our situations. I hope somebody's hearing what I'm telling you, because, you know, every time I look at a Christian, the only thing that should be found on your lips is not lip gloss. It should be praise. Huh? You take time to put lipstick on, lip gloss, chapstick, whatever it is you put on your lips. But do we take time out to make sure that there's praise on our lips? Come on, you guys. There's problems and issues, depression and, and anxiety and, and all kinds of issues that need tissues that, that hit us during our lives. But we always seem to forget to give God some praise in the midst of. I was reminded this morning about how Jehoshaphat had praised God when the enemies of God, all the ites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, and all those other ites that came in to destroy Judah and Israel, and I was reminded that Jehoshaphat and them, when he had got the word from the Lord, that, that the, the fight was not his, but the fight was the Lord's, that all of a sudden that they, they said all Israel fell on their face and began to worship God. They, they worshiped God for who he is, and they said, Lord, we thank you, we, we honor you, and they began to just acknowledge God for who he was, but there was a certain part of the, of the, uh, of the, of the clan of, of all of Israel that stood up. And began to worship God. They began to sing praises unto God in the midst of their trouble. And they began to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And as they began to praise and as they began to move, Jehoshaphat got this idea. He says, we are going into war, but we're not going to send the, the infantry up front. We're going to send the people that are praising. All of Judah shall go before us. The praise of the Lord shall go before us. My God. We got to stop relying on our natural senses to understand what the word of God says because it goes beyond what we feel. There comes a time, saints, that we need to grow up. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, grow up. Yeah, I'm not talking about naturally. I'm talking about spiritually. Paul looked at the, looked at the, the, the church of Corinth. He says, you are yet carnal, which means you still fleshly. How long are you guys going to remain babes? You guys are drinking milk. When you should be eating meat, I'm still having to teach you when you should be teaching others. We need to grow up and get beyond what we feel and see what the word of the Lord says. The Lord had, had admonished me to tell everybody that stop bowing your head to your problems and start lifting up your head and looking towards the hills which cometh my help, for my help cometh from the Lord. The only time, see, we got to get indignant sometimes and realize the only time I'm going to hang my head is when I'm reverencing an awesome God. 
because he's God. He sits on the throne. He still reigns. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God has given us the victory way back when, he'll give us the victory now, and he'll give us the victory in the future. I fight, I pray, and I praise from a position of victory. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of people allowing their issues to, to, to be who they are. I'm poor. I'm sick. I'm alone. I'm by myself. I'm this. I'm that. No, you are a child of God. And God has fought and died to deliver you. I, 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 I'm just personally on a natural, I'm so glad that God is not me. Because half of y'all, I'd be done with you. Just, I do the Thanos on you. The young kids got that. I'd be like, mm, gone. Y'all watch Infinity Wars, you understand. I'm so glad that God is so merciful. But personally, if I paid, if I spent everything I had for you to get something and you didn't take advantage of it, I'd be hot. You ungrateful generation. Come on. Y'all buy your kids Christmas stuff on Christmas, and they play with it for two weeks. Then you walk and trip over it, and you're like, they don't even appreciate my sacrifice. Jesus paid for it. And he didn't reach in his pocket. He laid his life on the line for you to have freedom, to walk in a place of victory, to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, for you to be a, a, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. He died for that, for you. And guess what? We need to start living in it. He died so that we can have power over all the enemy, and sometimes that enemy is us. He paid for it. So why don't we start living in it? It's an attitude. Woo! My God. I'm just, man, we, we ain't doing church as usual no more, saints. It's 2019. 2019. We got, we got to start moving as Christians. I, 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 we got to be the difference in this world. That, you know, we sit back, and I feel like Elijah sometimes, like, Lord, there's only a few of us. The Lord says, no, 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 I've reserved. Somebody, somebody needs, you know, you know what reserves are. Some of y'all know reserve, whatever. They, they put it aside. I set aside. I've sanctified I put apart, I've separated. There's, there's many Christians that we don't know about. Just because the media ain't talking about it, there's many Christians that are, are about the life. I'm about this life. I, I had to get, you know, about that. Because people need to be changed. There's a dying world, and Christians need to stop acting like the world and start acting like children of God. How are we going to change the world when we're acting like them? I want to go through the same thing that they're going through, but I'm going through it with peace. I'm going through it with something they ain't got. Joy. The fruits of the Spirit. People are like, man, I did, wait a minute. Did, you're sitting in here, and you go, didn't you just get diagnosed with cancer? Yeah, man. Sure did. But you know what? God's still on the throne. He's on the throne. And I'm convinced. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. And, I, and if I leave this place, I know if the Lord took care of me, he's going to take care of my family. He's going to take care of everybody else. Praise the Lord. 
People are like, man, how do you, do you really believe? Yes, I do believe it. And the evidence of me believing is the peace that I have in this storm. That's my evidence. Somebody sees you in peace like that, they want, I want a peace because I'm missing peace. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We've got to start depending on Jesus, everything he's given us. Lord, right now, I just pray, Lord, everything that you've given us, reveal it to us by your spirit and through your word, Lord, that we could walk in the power and the authority that you have given to us. Lord, we're tired of living like defeated Christians, God. Give us the strength right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fear is a lie. Fear is a lie. Fear is, a, is, is the problem with everything that we have. That's why Jesus looked at us, or God looked at us, and he gave us a commandment. Be courageous. You know it's a commandment? Do you know it's a commandment? He told you, be courageous. I can't be courageous in the absence of fear. I got to have courage when I'm afraid. So he told me that, that I know he's ever-present help. I know Jesus is always with me, but he says something else is going to be with you, and it's called fear. And because it's always, the fear is always with you, I'm charging you. I am ordering you to have courage. Be afraid, but don't allow fear to overtake you. You got to do it. You got to, you got to, I'm afraid, Lord, I, I, I don't want to face this, but guess what? I got courage. You charged me to be courageous. And when I don't have the strength to be courageous, I got the spirit of God that dwells within me that he will bring up that strength that I need. Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm trying to love on you before I beat you up with this word. I'm trying to get you excited, but amen. God says he chastises those whom he loves. Get ready. Get ready. I don't know if any of y'all's parents, you knew you knew you was in trouble. They tell you to go to the room. You know what's worse than getting the whooping? Waiting for the whooping. My dad, when my dad, my mom, my mom spanked us the most, but when my dad did it, he'd always like go to the room and he would wait. I know he did it intentionally. I know he did it. Because while I was waiting, I'd be sitting in the room and his room was next to mine and I could hear the tinkle of the bell. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. And you know, I didn't pray. I, I didn't pray when I was younger unless I was about to get beat. That's when I really, Jesus, oh, Jesus, please, God, no, help me. And he'd come in and give it to me because he loved me. He wanted to see me do better. And God's saying the same thing. Because I love you, sometimes I have to chastise you. I call it encouragement. I encourage Judah in heaven. And I encourage them by patting them on the back or spanking them on the butt. It's all encouragement. Some of it just hurts. <laughs> right? So the Lord's going to encourage us this morning. ¿Estás listo? Listo. No estás listo. Uh-uh. You're not ready. Y'all ready? Listo. Everyone likes the idea of being in shape. Can I get an amen? 
You know, I know I'm about to put this boy on the spot here in a second. A todos le gusta la idea de estar en forma. Everybody wants to be in shape. Everybody likes the idea of living healthy. Les gusta la uh, idea de vivir sanamente. People, even when they hear about the sacrifice, incluso cuando escuchan sobre el sacrificio, they hear about the hard work, el trabajo duro, and the commitment y el compromiso. They still say, I can do it. Todavía, todavía dicen que puedo hacerlo. We hear what we have to do, and we think once we hear it, oh, I can do it. Ain't a problem. I got, I got to get up at 4 o'clock every morning, go to the gym. I can do it. No problem. Right? I like the idea of being fit. Le gusta la idea de estar en forma. I like the idea of being rich. Nobody likes that idea? I need to hear amen at that point. Oh, Lord, let me hit the lottery. Le gusta la idea, idea de ser rico. Rico. You have to roll the tongue when you say that. Rico. We like the idea. We like the idea of being successful. Les gusta uh, la uh, idea de ser uh, exitoso. But once the process starts, pero un vez que el proceso comienza, ah, Dios mío, en que me he metido, oh, my God, what did I start? What did I get myself into? Anybody ever been there before? I'm going to just tell you, yo, the first of all, the first part of the year is big for gyms. A gym will make most of its money at the first of the year. They don't have to sign anybody else up. They will sign people up. You know what? This is what they do. They offer all the deals at the beginning of the year because everybody likes the idea of getting in shape. And they'll sign up. And they'll go to, I was about to say the church, they go to the gym because they like the idea of being fit. They know that they got to go to the gym every day. But after the third day, there ain't no rising from the dead. You're like, oh, I'm sore. It's after the third day that we start looking for a cheat day. I'm just going to rest today. I'm a little sore. You know, you start talking like you've been reading on the Internet. Well, you know, it says in the Internet you should give your body a rest and that we, I should replenish my body with donuts and cakes because there's carbs. I need carbs. I'm carving up. I'm bulking up right now because I've been working out for three days. I'm a little sore. But I'm. come on, somebody. Maybe you ain't been to the gym. Maybe, maybe what about that job you like so much that you just got? You were so excited about it, right? Three months later, you're looking for a vacation because you can't stand your boss. Man, I really love this job. It's so good. Hey, hey Pastor, I just got a new job. Praise the Lord. Three months later, I'm like, so how's that new job? Well, no, I'm not there anymore. Once we start, we don't want to finish. La gente quiere tener la apariencia, pero sin el proceso. People want to have an appearance without the process. I want to look like it, 
but I don't want to go through it. Come on, everybody. That's why everybody's looking for a pill for a fix. That's what they're doing now. Now, now. now, just for instance, just for the sake, and I don't usually do this, but everybody wants to be fit. Everybody wants to look like Mike back there. Y'all turn and look at Mike. Mike, look, Mike got biceps. He can barely put his hands in his pockets. His pants are tight, you know. You can see, you can see, when he put his hands in his pockets, you can see the, his knuckle imprints in his pants. Because Mike is just yoked. I want to look like that. Come on, somebody. I want to walk around like this all day. Y'all laughing, but let's, let's be real, men. We see guys walking around and come on. Man, I want to look like that. I want a six-pack. I want to look big. I want to flex when I, like, breathe. <sighs> I want that. But watch this. I don't want to have to go through five years of working out and dieting to look like that. So therefore, if I want to look that, I can look like that, but it's going to cause me surgery and some implants <laughs> and a whole lot of debt. Because I've seen guys, I've seen the pictures of the dudes that get the, the pec implants and the shoulder implants and everything, the biceps, and they're big. But there's one thing, look, I can copy how Mike looks, but I can't copy his strength. Because strength only comes through the process. Come on, y'all. I'm going to help some of y'all out. Now, I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking medication, but what I've noticed in the medical field, what, what they, they're quick to do when we're depressed or when we're sad or when something's going, they're quick to throw a pill at you because it'll fix your problem. Here, you know what? You're not feeling good? Here, take this. We should be like, oh, wait. Wait. You know, I've been having these headaches, and, you know, the doctor, doctor's like, oh, headaches? Oh, we got something for that. You should take these. He didn't even ask you, so oh, what's going on? Are you under a lot of stress? You under, do you work out? See, they don't ask these. What they want to do is throw pills at you. Why? Because we are a society that wants everything now. But, see, a lot of times we, we face depression, and we, it's because life is hard. Can I get amen? Yeah, but we need to go through that. Don't numb yourself to it. Go through it with the Lord. David did it. They didn't have no pills when David was going through it. If you guys don't believe me, read the Psalms. That's all you got to do. David was going through depression. He was going through all kinds of hurt and pain. People backstabbed him. He lost everything, lost everything. But he would turn around and complain to the Lord. But then he would remind himself who the Lord is. Lord, you led me through it. Once you'll do it again, I shall live to see victory in Jesus' name. That's what we need to go through to learn how to go through situations instead of numbing ourselves and keeping ourselves from it. Because when we go through it, not only will we look good, but we'll have the strength. Come on, somebody. Man, I'll work out with you next week, though. Where was I? Listen, too many of us are looking for shortcuts to obtain our goals. I got some news for you guys. Y'all ready? There's no shortcuts to discipleship. Huh? No hay atajos al discipulado. Most of us will quit the process because we wasn't ready. 
No está listo. No está listo. You think you're ready, but you ain't ready. You ain't ready. And people, what you mean I ain't ready? I asked you to disciple me. I'm ready. How many people got life insurance? Okay. If you ain't got it, you need to get it. Side note, can I take do a little quick commercial? Is that okay? Listen, I'm tired of people having to put up GoFundMe to bury you. I'm tired of taking phone calls, too. We ain't got no money uh, to bury so-and-so. You could be paying, especially some of you young ones in here, young fathers and young mothers, you guys pay $20 a month. If y'all need to know, see Karina, wherever she's at. Karina's in here. Talk to her. It's, it's nothing. And let alone, if you, I'm going to tell you something right now. Shame on you if you put that burden on your children to bury you and they ain't got no money. Shame on you. Shame on you. Put it on your wife or you put it on your husband. Shame on you. Shame on you. Get some, at least enough to bury you. Okay? Now, where was I? Who has life insurance? Don't be embarrassed if you ain't got it. It's okay. Raise your hand if you got it. Okay. When you got life insurance, were you ready to die? I got life insurance, I'm ready to die. I went and got car insurance, so I'm going to go out and wreck my car. No, right? But the funny part about it is we get saved, but then we don't want to be discipled. It's like I'm saved. What did God save you from? I got fire insurance. No, God wants you to get the fire. Indeed, I baptize you with water, but the one that comes after me will baptize you with fire. And the Holy Ghost. We want to get saved, but don't get the fire. We want to get saved. We want to have fire insurance, which means we don't want to go to hell, but we don't want the fire going through the issues and the problems of denying ourselves. Mm, mm, mm. Everybody loves to say that I want to be a disciple. No está listo. You're not ready. But I am very excited and filled with joy at the fact that everybody is catching on to this discipleship thing. Amen? Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to beat you up, but I'm going to steal a, a, a phrase from the Apostle Paul. Okay? He said it on quite a few times to people he loved and he was trying to uh, admonish in the things of the Lord. And he said this, I will not have you ignorant. I will not have you ignorant. And saints, I will not have you ignorant to what discipleship means. So many of us think that we want discipleship. So many of us even think that we're disciples, but we have not counted the cost. I don't think we've considered the cost to be a disciple. Turn to Luke chapter 14, 27. Understand this. These are the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Father of lights, the everlasting Father. God himself said this. Not Pastor John. I am just reading what the Lord said. Do you guys believe the Lord? Do you believe what he says? Get ready. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I'm just going to stop right there. I need you to listen. He said, if you do not bear your cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. 
if you don't suffer and deny yourself and all your comforts and do as I did, you cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down and count the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him. Now, let me, I'm going to share something with you, okay? I'm going to take, take, take it off the board for me. So I don't want you to have to read because I'm going to explain to you this. As I was studying this week, this is how I heard it. For which of you, so you understand this, for which of you intending to build phase two? Didn't sit down first and count the cost, $150,000. Whether you have enough to finish it. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and put up walls, drywall, stuff like that there, that I'm not able to finish it. And behold, people mock. I began to think, I said, God, did I truly count the cost? of what it would take to do these exploits because I've started it and if we don't finish it, now watch, it says happily. How many people were excited about starting phase two? Okay, I'm glad you were happy, but I was really happy. But it goes on to say that you start happy, but you don't end happy because you weren't able to finish and people will mock you. The Lord began to minister to me personally about starting and finishing. Because sometimes when we start something, we lose sight of what it takes to keep it going. Because what you start took a sacrifice to start, but it takes a sacrifice to finish. Lord spoke that to me. I'm like, Lord, I'm sacrificing. Because I don't want nobody not mocking me, but mocking that which the Lord is doing. So I share this with you guys because I can't be the only one sacrificing. Thank you for your pledges. Thank you. I really appreciate it. But there's got to be more. Because this community needs it. Amen. Now listen. There's a young man in the Bible that liked the idea of being saved. He liked the idea of discipleship. He liked the idea of starting. And he runs into Jesus. And this dude's name is the rich young ruler. I've talked about him several times before. This is not a rapper. You're not going to find him on SoundCloud or all those other things. He's the rich young ruler. He was known, his identity was known for what he had. He was called the rich young ruler. Why? Because he was young and he was rich and he was ruling, okay? That's why he's the rich young ruler. Got it? You guys getting this picture now? I, I, I got to talk to somebody because young folks know that you hear better for some reason when I, when I talk like this. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because there's some young people in here, so you older people just follow with me, okay? The rich young ruler wasn't ready. He thought he was ready. But he wasn't ready. And when he came to the Lord and he said, 
Jesus, he said, Jesus, what, what, what do I do to get eternal life? Jesus didn't offer him eternal life. He offered him discipleship. See, he liked the idea, the rich young ruler liked the idea of going to heaven. He liked the idea of self-denial, I mean, but he didn't like the idea of self-denial. He's like, wait a minute, I want to go to heaven, but I got to deny myself? He liked that. He liked the idea of Jesus, his Savior and Messiah, but he didn't like the idea of Jesus as Lord. Woo. So many of us love that we have fire insurance. And we only embrace one side of the cross. But to embrace means to embrace the whole thing. To embrace something means you have to wrap your arms around it. So on the front side, you embrace it, but you're grabbing the both sides of the cross, which means I take the salvation, but I also take the God's lordship over me, which means I do what he says. You know, there's a time in the Bible when people are like, Lord, he goes, stop. Why are you calling me Lord when you don't do what I tell you to do? I ain't your Lord. You just want me as Savior. That's why when people say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's the, he's the Savior of the world, but he's not the Lord of the world. He wasn't ready. Pero no estaba listo para Jesús como su Señor. Now, before I read this next text, I need you guys to understand something, okay? I'm going to give you this word, and this word, there's so many of us, we take it wrong, but I need to give you a correct definition when I explain this word to you so that you'll understand, okay? I need you to understand this so you guys don't go out of here running and talk about, well, pastor has said this and that, and I, don't, I just don't believe. I just don't, I don't believe it means that. See, so many people like to do that. What, is, what you're really saying, you're not saying, I don't believe it means that. You're basically saying, I, I'm not willing to do it. That's what you're really saying. There's a huge difference. When you go, I don't believe. You know why? Because it takes you out of your comfort. Oh, no, that's not convenient for me to do. Oh, okay. So that word that I'm talking about is forsake. Forsake. You guys ready for this? Luke 14, 33. The word forsake doesn't mean to neglect or leave alone. When Jesus told us to forsake, what he's saying is this, basically this, put me first. Put me ahead of everything else. Put me ahead of your work. Put me ahead of your family. Put me ahead of your spouse. Put me ahead of your problems. Put me first. What he means by forsake. Luke 14, 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. I didn't say it. It's on the Sky Bible. If you don't forsake some, that which you choose, all. You cannot be his disciple. The rich young ruler sincerely wanted to be discipled by Jesus, but once he heard what it cost, it made him uncomfortable, and he wanted to keep his old life to follow Jesus. Can I, can I just tell you guys something? He had an identity crisis. You guys follow me on this. Because, look, he wanted to follow Jesus, but when Jesus looked at him and said, listen, I need you to give up who you were and become what I've called you to be. But you got to give up your identity. And his identity was found in what his name was. He was the rich young ruler. He was ruling because he was rich. And see, God told him to give up all 
that you possess and give to the poor and pick up your cross and follow me. See, Jesus was telling him this. He said, when you give up your stuff, you picking up your cross because you're going to have a battle with your identity. That's the thing that you're going to suffer because you've always found who you are and what you had. That's why he said give up your possessions, not give up what you possess. See, the word possession, when a demon comes into a person, unclean spirit, you are possessed. That means it controls you. It, 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 it gives you, it does everything. You have no choice. When Jesus said give up your possessions, he was saying, listen, give up all this stuff that you find your identity in. Give it up. And once you let it go, see, this is the funny power about You actually have the power to get that, those things that I have control of. You have the power. Oh, my gosh. The Lord said, behold, I give you power over all that of the enemy. So if the enemy ends up coming to you, you've got the power to get rid of it yourself. I can't, in the name of Jesus, this, this demon spirit, I command you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Bind it up. Cast it out. But we're always looking for somebody else, and that's it's still biblical. But I'm just telling you, if he's given us the power over the enemy, we got that power. So we find, he, Jesus said, he wanted him to give up his possessions. Listen, you guys, one of the problems that we have as Christians is we think we can give our lives to God and still remain who we were. You cannot do it. Most of y'all in here, if I tell you right now, I used to be a thug, you would never believe it. I, I sit down and talk to people, I'm talking about, no, y'all don't understand. I used to be out I used to be out there. I was in them streets right here in Old Susun in the flats. Y'all didn't know. Y'all don't know. Y'all didn't know. It's out there. Sexy Red is what they used to call me. J-Bone. Some of y'all remember me. Used to be a thug. But now I'm saved. And everybody show me love. Oh, come on, come on, yeah. Y'all didn't know had hair down to here, walking around like this. Hey, what's up? Hey, okay. Huh? What? Huh? What? But when I gave my life to Christ, you cannot be identified with what you was. You got to be what God has created you to be. That's why you don't see any evidence of the old man in me. If any man be in Christ Jesus, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I want to live in the newness of Christ. That guy is dead. I had a funeral for that dude a long time ago. I remember, I, I, I'm trying to tell you, and it, and, and it was funny because when I gave up that identity, I had to pick up my cross. I'm trying to tell you I suffered because my identity was in the things that I did. I, I, I used to be out there, you guys. The women, the money, the drugs, and the life, I was out there. But I had to give it all up to follow Christ. I had to forsake all. Biggest thing about that, you know, the biggest thing is pride. Oh, that's a heavy cross. Because God will send things in your life to humble you. God said, you can't, if you don't forsake yourself, and I see you fully yourself, so you got to deny yourself to follow me by yourself. Everybody looking for somebody to come with them. Jesus walked by himself that road to Galgotha. 
He carried his own cross. I understand that Simeon came and helped him pick it back up. But Jesus had to carry his own cross. So you got to carry your own. Praise God. Man, trying to tell you guys. Forsake, 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 forsake. You have to forsake some things in your life. Ain't about being comfortable. Ain't about being cozy. God called us to be disciples, not converts. Huh? A convert? Uh Uh-uh. There's a lot of converts. A lot of people are converting from this to that. A lot of people converting from this and that. A lot of people have discipline. God called us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. He don't want us just to convert. He wants us to be disciples. But we have to forsake our old life. See, a lot of people are, 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 what they're doing is they're converting from one thing to another, but it allows them to stay who they are. God says, no, you can't do that in my kingdom. But here's the thing. Matthew 10, 37. I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. I like the way they put it because it, it helps us understand a little bit better, the way they break it down. And this is what Jesus said. Um, excuse me. Don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut, make a sharp knife cut between son and father, between daughter and mother, between bride and mother-in-law. I already thought there was a cut there anyway. Anyway, to cut through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. I want to free you so you could be with God. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. Saints of God. It ain't about you. It's about the person sitting next to you. Your sacrifice isn't for you. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, you picking up your cross isn't for yourself. Jesus didn't carry a cross for himself. He carried his cross for you. He says, I'm going to carry this. I'm going to go through this burden for you. I'm not thinking about myself. The ultimate picture of self-denial is the cross. Because at any time, Jesus could have called the heavenly host and all the angels, legions of angels, to come and destroy the earth, but he didn't. You know why? Because he had you on his mind. At any time, he could have just got down off the cross. Praise God. But he said, I'm not, uh-uh, it ain't about me. It's not about my suffering and everything I'm going through. It's not about all of this. And even to the point of self-denial, he says, you know what? God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Self-denial. When's the last time somebody stabbed you in the back and you prayed for them and said, God, forgive them? Because it was all about me. They hurt me. They stabbed me in my back. They did me wrong after all I've done for them. But God, forgive them. You know you ain't prayed that prayer. Don't get spiritual on me now. I'm sorry you should see y'all's faces. 
<laughs> People look at me like, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. I'll tell you what I was praying. Touch not thine anointed. Do my prophet no harm. Yeah, y'all want to quote that one. Listen, you guys, discipleship isn't about you wanting to be discipled. It's about you being ready to be discipled. You ain't ready to be discipled until you deny mother and father, sister and brother, until you deny your kids, till you forsake everything. Then you're ready to be discipled. When you're ready to get inconvenienced and uncomfortable, then you're ready to be discipled. I want you to notice something. Students don't choose their teachers. Teachers choose their disciples. All through the Bible, one person asked Jesus for discipleship. You know who he was? Rich young ruler. And we see what happened to him. Because he didn't want to give up his identity. The Bible said that he turned around and he walked away sad. How many of us are doing that today? Most of us aren't because nobody's telling us the truth about discipleship. People say, man, come as you are. God loves you. It's okay. You don't just do this. No. You come as you are, but you don't stay the same. You cannot stay the same when you are before a holy God. That's why I said no flesh shall glory in my presence. We got to learn how to put on the identity of Christ. Come on, saints. See, when Moses said, God, show me your glory, God said, I can't. Because if I show you my presence, if you in my presence, no flesh will live. You will die. So the Bible says, and it declares this, that God took Moses and set him upon a rock. Set him upon a rock. Set him upon a rock and then hid him in the cliff of a rock, which means he put him on the rock that he put him in the rock. I, I wish somebody understood something about the Bible. Jesus Christ, the solid rock on which I stand. On which I stand. God took him and gave us a prophetic picture of to be found in Christ, not just on Christ, but in Christ. Because you could be standing on Christ and still not be in Christ. There was a, there was a method that he showed us. First, I need you to stand on the foundation. Then I'm going to put you in the foundation. And at that point, when you're in Christ, when you're hidden in Christ, then the presence of God can show up. But most of us are standing on the rock, and we ain't getting no presence in our lives because we refuse to be identified with Christ. We can't be identified with Christ until we start denying ourselves. Trying to come to God just any old way. Yeah, you know. God says, yeah, you can come to me that way, but things need to change. When my presence shows up in your life, you don't want to stay the same. I don't want to be that person anymore. That's why Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? That's where we need to be at. Sit down. Say to God, we have an identity crisis identity crisis because we want to be identified for what we do you know you know how i know identity is so important because people people commit suicide because of lack of identity people are so thirsty for significance 
that they'll do anything for people to see them as being significant. I'm telling you guys, why do you think we get into debt? Because we want the appearance, but we don't want the process. I want to look smart. So many people will go through school and get degrees in nothing. Like they got more degrees than a thermometer in nothing, but because they got degrees, I look, I'm, I'm therefore important, importante. See, so that happens, and, and we do things. We'll get into debt trying to look rich, successful. I dress, you know, people, you got to dress to impress. Like, I don't know about that. I, I, I shop at, uh, um, yeah, Walmart. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm joking. <laughs> My shirt, like about 100 people got the same shirt I got. I, I just, that's. <laughs> I ain't shame. I'll be walking by seeing people. I was like, I got that shirt. <laughs> And them pants. <laughs> hey, we eat, no? You know what I'm saying? Looking rich but hungry. Okay, I need to get back on track. Stop. Look, in this advanced age of academia, did I say that right? I'm using big words today, you guys. We tend to choose our college courses based upon this, need for the course, the ease of the course, and the instructor of the course. Any of you guys ever took any college courses? Yeah. When you look, because you know you need them, you go, okay, I need this class, but um, hey, man, was this class easy? It was hard? No, no, I ain't going to take that class. <laughs> oh, I need this class? What about the, which instructor did you have? How was it? Was he... Was, do we do it? You know what the problem is sometimes? Because we so much don't want to go through what we got to go through now, we'll end up taking a class we don't need. Take a class you don't need. What are you doing this for? Say to God, why are you studying hermeneutics? Why are you studying eschatology? You ain't even got salvation down yet. Some of you guys are going, what is hermeneutics? What is doxology and eschatology. It don't matter. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. I got people coming up to me and saying, so what is your doxology and the theology? I was like, dude, all I know is Jesus is Lord. I love him to death and he's changed my life. That's all I know. I know nothing but the cross. So I, I'm sorry. I, I don't have a degree. I ain't been to school. But I do have a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. Trying to be significant. The Bible says knowledge puffeth up. But we tend to pick these, these, uh, these classes for all these reasons. Well, that's not how discipleship works. The teacher chooses the student. Remember what I said? Jesus went through and picked all his apostles. He picked his disciples. They didn't come up to him and go, hey, man, I want to follow you. Some people did follow him. And some people did everything that he said. Until he turned around and said a hard saying. They were like, oh, that's too hard. Later. <laughs> Sound familiar? Happens in church. You got a tithe to be a member. Oh, I just won't be a member then. 
You guys keep track of that here? Quick to ask for a giving statement, too. You, you, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, the teacher chooses the student. This is why Jesus was bold when he made this statement in John 15 and 16. He goes, guess what? You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Watch this, though. Your fruit should remain. You know what that means? It means whatever work that you start, you're going to finish. See, I'm taking you back to earlier when I told you about starting that you count the cost. Look, Jesus saw them already. He saw something in them. He had discernment that he knew that they would stick till the end. And see, so many of us were asked to be disciples, but when we start presenting, this is what it's going to take, they're like, they started to become Michael Jackson quick. They'd be like, hee hee. You're laughing, but the danger in it is that you never get discipled. And because you're not willing to forsake and deny yourself, you don't deserve Jesus. Oh, yeah, now now it's not funny anymore. Because I didn't say it. You got a problem with me saying what I just said, have a problem with the word of God. He says, if you're not willing to forsake all, you don't deserve him. You cannot be his disciple. Listen, you guys, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Your readiness is determined by your willingness to forsake everything to be discipled. That's that's how a teacher can determine if you're ready. He sees that you've been faithful. He sees that you've been serious about things, that that you're always there. Saints, I'm just going to tell you something. All this whole notion of you saying, well, I serve God. You know, I ain't got to be at church, and I ain't got to be a part of the church. Wrong. Let me help you out. It's called the body of Christ. When I go get a massage, they just don't rub my head. Do you catch the analogy? Okay? Jesus is the head. The church is the body. And in order to minister to the head, you minister to the body. This is why Jesus says, do not forsake the fellowship of the church. Hebrews 10, 25, look it up for your reading later. Forsake, there's that word forsake. He says, don't put aside going to the church and meeting with everybody. Forsake not the fellowship as others do, especially that you see the time approaching. What time is that? He's coming back. And if you're forsaking the fellowship, you're not forsaking yourself. Can I tell you what that looks like? This is how we forsake church. We forsake ministering. And it's this. Well, you know, and listen to me. Please take this with a balance. Please take this with a balance. Well, you know, I would go to church more, but my kids got stuff to do on the weekends, so I like to do stuff with my family on the weekends and, you know, but here's the problem. I agree with doing stuff with your family. Trust me, I'm all about family. That's your second ministry next to your spouse. Okay? But guess what? If you're doing more stuff with your kids during the month and going to church once a month, you're wrong. 
and you're wondering why your kids are acting like they are possessed and running around and bump their heads. Because you're not training them up in the way that they should go. See, I would rather have my kids in church most of the time and doing something else every other time. We've gotten the whole thing backwards. Do you know that God called us to work six days and take one day off? Now we're trying to have uh, 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 five days off and work two days. So it, it should be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're going to take a break in Jesus. And then we're going back to Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to forsake not the assembly of, of ourselves. I am going to be at church. I'm going to serve the body of Christ because when I come to church, I don't come to church with an attitude of what can the church do for me. I'm going to come to church to bless other people. I'm going to bear my cross. Is it comfortable? No, but I'm going to do it because I know God called me to do it. And saints of God, let me help you out. In your depression, in your, in your sorrows, in your worries, God gives seed to the sower. So what happens? You come to church when you're feeling depressed, and you just start ministering to somebody. And as you minister to him, God is pouring that grace in you. And then all of a sudden, you done made somebody else feel good. Now you both feel good. You ain't depressed no more. Hallelujah. That's how it works. As I close, praise God. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we see a perfect picture of forsaking all to be disciples. There was this man named Elijah, great prophet in the Bible, one of the greatest prophets ever to live, performed many different miracles. I, I'm not even going to get into all the stuff that he did, but he just, he did all kinds of stuff. One of the things I love the most is he called fire down from the sky, burnt up an altar that was soaked in water, just burnt it up. And then after he did that, he was like, okay, and he went and killed all the prophets of Baal and all these other prophets. Killed them by himself. That's, that's gangster right there, right? He didn't call no other army. He just went in and just started killing them, right? So, but he's a great prophet. And then one day he was in prayer. Now, mind you, I'm saying this because this is going to lead up to more what we're going to teach about later, is that he was in prayer and God gave him direction during prayer. During prayer, God gave him direction. Take that, stick it in your pocket. During prayer, God gave him direction. Told him, go anoint a king, go anoint another dude. And he says, I need you to go and lay hands and anoint another person to take your place. He says, okay, Lord. He gave his name. His name was Elisha. There's Elijah and Elisha. And we're going to pick that up right here right after the Lord gave him direction, 1 Kings 19. And it says, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. And then Elijah looks at him and goes, go back again for what? What have I done to you? Why don't you just leave now and come? Elijah said, hold on, just wait. So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke, took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Then he boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave them to the people and they ate. Then he rose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Let me help you guys with this breakdown. So awesome. First of all, there's a scripture when a man was offered, or 
Jesus offered to follow him. He says, let me go back and kiss my mother and father. And then he, he let me go bury my parents. He goes, let the dead bury the dead. And he says, anybody looking back is not worthy. Anybody has put their hand to the gospel plow and turns around and look back is not worthy of me. That's what he said. But right here we see this man who looks at Elijah. Elisha looks at Elijah and says, look, I want to go back and kiss my parents. And he goes, why would you do that? What have I done to you to make you want to leave me and go do that? He says, just wait and see. So he goes back home, kisses his mom, kisses his dad, because I'm never going to see you again. Then he goes to everything else. I need you to understand, this is a man of prominence. Elisha owned 12, it said 12 yoke of oxen. What we can figure that is that a yoke of oxen is at least two, depending upon the yoke. So he had at least 24 oxen. He owned a bunch of oxen. He was plowing his own land. So he was an owner of land. So we know he's a man of prominence. He went back to his land, and he took the oxen, and he slaughtered them all, and chopped them up into ribs and, and ribeye and everything else, took the yokes, cut them up into wood, and burnt them, and used the fire from, his, from the yokes to cook the meat. And then he had a party, a big barbecue for everybody, because basically what he was saying is, all right, y'all, I'm out. I'm about to head out with Elijah. I'm just going to follow him because he's the man like I want to be. I want to be like him. You guys heard of Elijah. I want to be like Elijah. But this is what he did. He went back and destroyed his plan B. Y'all didn't catch it. You guys remember Peter? Peter never destroyed his plan B. Because after Jesus died, you know what he did? Went back to his profession. Right? Elisha said, uh-uh. I'm destroying everything. I'm burning a bridge because there is nothing to go back to. The reason why I wanted to kiss my parents because I'll never see him again. I am forsaking all. I'm forsaking everything I have. I'm forsaking my parents. I'm forsaking my mother, my father, my sisters, my brothers, my profession to follow the man of God. Why? Ooh. I have to connect this before we close. What he did is what Jesus asked the rich young ruler to do. Give up everything you have. Get rid of your plan B and follow me. Forsake everything you got to follow me. He wasn't willing to do it, but Elisha was. The funny part about it is you don't hear nothing about Elijah anymore in the Bible until later on in 2 Kings. Because you would figure, oh, he denied everything. He's going to do powerful. No, he didn't do nothing but serve. Serve. When you hear about him, the next time you hear about him is when Elijah said, hey, look, I'm about to go to Gilgal, but I need you to stay here because it's going to be tough. In Gilgal, it's a lot of hard work in Gilgal. They might try to take my life in Gilgal. And look, I love you, and I want you to stay here. Elijah goes, oh, man, as I live and as I breathe, I'm going to go with you wherever you go. It's happened three times, different places, to make that look like this way. Look, pastor, I'm pastor. Look, look, I got to go over here to the hospital. I know it's 2 in the morning, but there's some people at the hospital right now. I know you're at home. You're uncomfortable. You don't have to come with me. I'm going. Uh-uh, pastor, I'll meet you there. Look, man, there's this, there's this, there's this funeral I got to do, and it's going to be a little difficult, and, and it might not be good for you. I got to go to a scene, a, a murder scene. Uh, I, you don't, I don't want you to come because it would be harder. No, no, pastor, as I live and breathe, 
I'm going to suffer with you. I'm going to go through it with you. That's what discipleship is about. It's about denying yourself, denying your comfort, denying all that you are and all that you have for the sake of following Christ. Saints of God, are you ready to deny everything? Are you ready to deny yourself, your comfort, who you are, what you call yourself to be discipled, to be worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ? God is calling us to be disciples. He's calling us to be disciples and to make disciples. But you can't make somebody something you aren't. You can ask me for a million dollars right now, and I, as much as I want to give it to you, I can't because I don't have it. When you're ready, the teachers will appear. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Praise God. Praise God. We went a little late today, but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Saints of God, let's, I'm, we're just going to pray, and then I'm going to give a quick altar call, but we're all guilty of this. The Bible tells us to lay aside every, every weight and every sin that does easily beset us. What he's saying is there's things that hold us back from discipleship and following Christ the way he called us to follow him. We all are guilty of it. I don't care if you raise your hand or not. I know we're all guilty of it, me included. But here's the thing that we need to do. What we don't do is ask God, what is it in us that is keeping us from following you the way that you called us to follow you? Not, not me following you out of my convenience, but the way that you called me. There's something in our lives that God is, that is hindering us. So what we do is we ask God to reveal it to us. And then when we, we realize it, when we have that, that epiphany of this is what's holding us back, then we ask the Lord to help us remove it. He ain't going to do it for you. He's a helper, which means you got to get the other side of the couch. He ain't moving it for you. You got to do it. You gotta, he's going to help you. So if you will, just, just pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now for your word. Lord, we heard what you have said about true discipleship, about denying ourselves, picking up our cross to follow you. Lord, we're asking right now if there be anything in our lives that is hindering us, in stopping us from following you, from being a disciple. Reveal it to us right now during this moment. Show us right now what, is, what weight and what sin does easily beset us that is keeping us from running the race that you have called us to. And Lord, as, we, as you show it to us, Lord, give us the grace and strength and the help to remove that out of our lives so that we will become disciples, so that we can go and disciple others to teach them the ways of the cross, to teach them how to walk worthy to the calling of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you will continue to reveal into, in us those things that are hindering our walk. And we thank you right now, Lord, because we trust you and we know that you will do it because you want to be in real, right relationships with us. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.